what I'm called to do is do the best job I can, be honest, be authentic, be as truth-filled as I know how to be, um, and trust God with the rest. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode 87 of the podcast. I'm always interested in hearing feedback from you as listeners. Maybe something a guest shared was helpful or encouraging, or maybe you have been challenged to examine your actions because of things that our guests talk about. I love hearing these stories from you and appreciate reading your emails. Hearing from you is a real encouragement to me, and I thank you for taking time to write. But this week was not quite as fun in the feedback department. I received a lot of flack and even some ugly and hurtful words around an episode I just released with John Cooper of Skillet. It seems that there are a large number of people who are offended by some of John's viewpoints, and I became an equally offensive person because I chose to talk with him and share that conversation on this podcast. Admittedly, these negative comments are minor compared to what other people have experienced, but it was really my first time being the target of people who are opposed to my way of thinking, and it hurt to realize that I had let people down or had offended somebody in some way. All of this brings me to the point of why I'm sharing this with you today. One of my original intentions in starting this podcast is to learn from each other. I know that the truth of the Bible is the ultimate truth, but sometimes we can learn by hearing how God is teaching truth to others. And a lot of my spiritual growth this past year has come from ideas my guests have shared that have caused me to dig deeper into the truth of God's Word and re-examine some of my own thoughts and understandings. Learning from the mistakes and the successes of other people helped me become a better person. What I don't want to happen, though, is that we just start summarily dismissing people because they think differently than we do. I would hope that we could listen to each other and express different viewpoints while still sharing love and recognition that we are all the same at the foot of the cross. Even if what I believe is different from what you believe, that should not stop us from talking to each other or caring for one another. Differences should not cause us to cancel people or disparage them for being subpar or different. As a personal recipient of some hurtful comments this week, I am resolving to be even more intentional about hearing other people's ideas and seeking to find ways of loving each other in spite of our differences. Might we even be able to celebrate our differences as being unique and beautiful creations of God? I want this podcast, and my life for that matter, to be a safe place for people to be real, for people to share their struggles, and for people to hurt. And I pray that we can all learn the ability to love each other as Christ loves, even if we don't see eye to eye on everything. If you follow the news at all recently, you are aware of the devastating crisis and the war that is raging in Ukraine. 
There are currently over 2.5 million Ukrainian refugees pouring into neighboring countries, and the majority of these displaced refugees are women and children desperately seeking for shelter and food and medical assistance. When we look at the chaos and suffering that is unfolding in the Ukraine, it is easy to feel helpless. But there are tangible ways you can give that directly impact the lives of those who have left everything they know in search of safety. Mercy Inc. is on the ground with its partners providing shelter, food, and medical assistance. Mercy is providing bedding in a church so children can lay their weary little frames for a night of true rest. Mercy is providing supplies for mothers so that they have what they need to continue making their way to safety on the other side of the border. Mercy is holding babies and calming toddlers for hours upon hours within the safety of a bond shelter in an orphanage. Mercy looks like absolute relief on the face of an exhausted elderly woman who is wrapped up in kindness and transported from the border to a safe place in Hungary where she can find food and shelter. Mercy is love in action. Would you consider joining Mercy Inc. in providing shelter, food, and medical assistance to those displaced by war? Please go to mercyinc.org slash crisisrelief to give directly to the crisis relief in Ukraine. That's mercyinc.org slash crisis hyphen relief. Today, we are headed to England to learn about a relatively new band called Lion of Judah. This is a group that is working to bring Christian music into the mainstream music scene in the UK. Lion of Judah was recently signed with Gospel Song Records, which is an imprint of Tooth and Nail Records here in Seattle, and their brand new album, Closer, was just released in October of 2021. Today, I'm chatting with the lead singer and primary songwriter for the group, Josh Bannister. I'm eager to hear about how God is using Lion of Judah's music to open new doors where truth of God's love might not traditionally be heard. So please join me in welcoming to the Christian Music Archive, Josh Bannister. Welcome, Josh. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. It's 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 uh, a joy to be talking to you tonight for me this yeah. evening. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> here here in the U.S. where I'm at, it's noon, and Josh, it's uh, what eight o'clock your time, right? Yep, yeah. yep, yep. It's all good though. It's that that's not too bad. I can do eight. When it gets to like nine, ten, I start to get a bit more a bit more lag, but <laughs> eight's fine. I'm still bright wide awake. Well, and you were t- we talked before we pushed record. This is kind of normal for you because you guys are signed to a tooth and nail imprint called Gospel mm-hmm. Song. So you have to do all these business calls all the time at this time, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been an interesting adjustment because we yeah, we hadn't had a lot of kind of interaction with our brothers in the US until until we signed that deal or until we started talking with the guys at Tooth and Nail. And then, um, so yeah, it's become a little bit more normal to try and match the, to try and understand when we're both awake, <laughs> when communication can happen effectively. So yep, done a little bit of that over the last year. Well, it aren't band guys. Don't you stay up all night anyway and then sleep all day? <laughs> no way, man. I got, I've got a nine month old baby, so I'm, I'm uh, trying to capture all the sleep I can. <laughs> well, let's, let's help folks here in the U S or people who are listening, who have not, uh, are not familiar with Lion of Judah. Tell us a little bit about who is Lion of Judah. Yeah, cool. So, um, we are a band here in the UK. There's five of us in the band. There's me. I do uh, sort of songwriting and, and sing and play guitar. And then my brother, Isaac, he plays drums and does a lot of production with me. 
Um, then we have Dave, who plays guitar and who is my brother-in-law. Okay. Um, I'm seeing a trend here. <laughs> yeah. And then we have uh, Adam on keys, who is Isaac's brother-in-law. Okay. Right? So try and work that one out. And then uh, and then Matthew, who plays bass, who is actually not related to anyone. So that's quite remarkable. <laughs> oh, um, I'm surprised you even let him in the band. I know, tell me about it. And then we have another guy called Jez who we work really closely with who does a lot of mixing for us and helps us with production. So there's kind of six of us in the team and um, we kind of do everything ourselves. We have a a space here um, where we record and produce and um, do all of that. And yeah, so we've been going for, I don't know, uh, five or six years. Maybe it's slightly more than that. Could be be six going on seven, I'm not sure. Um, And we've, we've been... Yeah, like producing music since since that time. I think that really the or I went to to uni and did music at uni and came okay. out of that and um and started writing Christian songs after that right. period. So before that, I hadn't done anything to do with Christian music at all. But I don't I don't know how far you want me to go back or just just uh, let me know if I'm going off track. But cause, oh sure, yeah. Well, because we all start, um, we all start making music somewhere, right? And it's probably sure. playing piano lessons or something from mom making us take lessons. How did how did you? Because you're kind of the head of the band, right? You're kind of the energy behind the endeavor. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, one of one of them, one of them, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I think like I was very blessed growing up. Um, me and Isaac, because we we had a lot of instruments in the house. Like, mm. My dad was very musical. Um, and so we had pianos and drum kits and guitars and basses and lots of and wind instruments and stuff around. And so, and there was always music on in our house. So it's just like, there was a constant soundtrack. And so um, not only did Isaac and I grow up with sort of similar influences, but we also grew up around playing music and mm-hmm. it was normal to just try. Um, and so I, I started on drums actually. And uh, had I'm sure mom and, and dad loved that, huh? <laughs> hey, they encouraged it. I don't know. We, we were, <laughs> they were, they bought me a drum kit, and it was in my my little bedroom, and um, learned had some lessons throughout primary school, so pretty early on. Um, and then I started picking up um, I like piano and guitar later on, actually, because I was beginning to sing, and okay. I, so I started to use those things as tools for singing and for writing songs more than like i'm not a pianist i would never say that and i'm 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 okay at guitar now but i'm not it's not like i don't know i'm not an amazing guitarist those things for me were were they became tools for Mm -hmm. writing songs and for being able to sing and perform and and stuff like that so um so yeah we we grew up kind of with music everywhere it was part of the tapestry of life for us and um and so i went to, to uni and did it and so did my brother um, so you had a lot of musical instruments around. Were mom and dad in a band? They were when they were younger, yeah, for okay. sure. And um, actually, funnily enough, one of our the tracks on one of on our album, um, Neg- Negative Earth, is named after their band. So their band oh. when they were when they were young was called Negative Earth. Um, so we wanted to honor that a little bit. But yeah, like latterly, like when we were when we were growing up, they weren't playing in a band. But da- like dad would play in church all the time. Sure. Um, and. So yeah, like they were constantly playing, but just not not formally, you know. So what was it about being in university that you said, maybe I'll put together my own band? 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'd been in bands a lot before that because I I also did it I also did it at A level. So that for me is for you is high school. For us, okay. we call college. Okay. Um, so I did music in college too, and uh, so I was playing in bands constantly because it was very performance based, mm-hmm. um, and I was playing shows already. So that was I don't know age of like fifteen up through to eighteen, okay. playing quite a few shows and getting my head around live performance a bit, and then. Um, then in uni, uh, the same thing. So I went to a school that's very, it's, it's very modern music focused. So it's, okay. it's a, it was kind of like focused around bands. Mm. And um, so it was just normal to get yourself into bands. Um, and I carried through the band that I was kind of working with already through to university. And okay. it changed, the, the lineup changed a little bit here and there, but I kind of worked with similar people as well as a bunch of new people from the from the school who I met. Um, and yeah, definitely grew a whole lot in that time, just predominantly from the other students to be honest so, you, you know like you just meet a bunch of people who are super talented and do things a different way and I changed a lot I'm sure um, musically in that mm. time and um but yeah still didn't touch Christian music like yeah <laughs> but yeah so I mean alongside this whole story we were growing up in a very small Baptist church okay. um in the UK here like I don't know less than 100 members oh, and uh yeah. organ heavy um we didn't really have drums in church and so we'd have a piano maybe mainly and an organ and so I wasn't really in the CCM world at all had no kind of influences in the Christian music world didn't know any Christian artists wasn't listening to that like we were listening to Sting and Genesis and um, (laughs) you know we, we were listening to that and Michael Jackson and stuff um and so yeah and even going through uni um I I still stayed in that kind of evangelical church world that was here at least not mm-hmm. massively progressive in the, in the world of kind of pushing boundaries with music and stuff. So right. wasn't really into Christian music to be honest, and didn't know any Christian artists. And I, that, to be honest, I still feel a little bit like that. I speak to some people in the industry sometimes now, and they're like, "Do you know this guy? Do you know this guy?" And I'm just sort of like, "Nope, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any of these people because it's just not the context that we've come from. We've come right. from a very, a very traditional context." Um, so, what was it that you said? I I like this other music. If you don't have, I mean, there's a lot of very rich heritage out of the UK. Dave Pope, uh, Graham Town. I mean, just tons of these great old CCM artists, even current. But what was it that yeah. kind of said to you, maybe I can use my own music and reach out using the gospel through my, my music? What was it that kind of made that switch for you? Um, I think it was um, it was something that was unexpected and it wasn't planned. And I, So for me, I um, left university and got married. And so I went through a number of really large life changes all at once, mm. um, leaving home paying bills for the first time, being (laughs) self-employed, being married. And so uh, that was great. Uh, But I was very young. I was only 21. Mm -hmm. And um, I I kind of six months into that, I had this like quite major breakdown (laughs) into Mm -hmm. um, into like a quite a clinical anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really strange for me and very new experience because it wasn't anything that I'd been accustomed to growing up. Um, It wasn't really part of my personality. But it stopped me doing the things that I needed to do, the things that I love to do. It it made going out of the house really difficult for me. Oh. And um, so I had like a lot of help with that, some medical help and some pastoral help with it. But what ultimately happened was that 
that's I felt the need to start writing that into the music I was producing, and I felt also an un, a dissatisfaction with what I was doing, um, kind of in the secular music scene, mainly lyrically. Um, mm. I I was I liked the track we were on musically, but I thought that lyrically it was a it was kind of um, oh, I, it was a bit arbitrary. I wasn't really saying anything. I I didn't have a point of view, and I'm very much of the thinking that if you don't have anything to say, don't say it. <laughs> and that's how I, that's how I felt about myself. Um, yeah. And I think that's why I didn't do any Christian music as well. Is cause I thought I don't really have anything to say. I, I don't have a point of view. Um, I don't think I want to write it for the sake of writing it. Yeah. But then this experience happened to me where it became necessary. It became a necessary outlet for me to, to start writing some Christian songs and they weren't even necessarily explicitly, they're not worth like, I don't really categorize what we do as like worship music. Right. It's um, I, I don't know, you know, it's for, for people to say what they think our music's like, but for me, it's, it's personal revelation about how things are going. Yeah. Well, I read, <laughs> um, I read, I think might've been a bio or something on your label where it said that, that your first, Christian songs were literally mm. you crying out to God and really mm. conversing with God through this language of music. Yeah, totally. And that would, that would, it was a painful process because I had never done that before. Um, and it's obviously a very self-reflective process and I was, yeah. So I would spend time writing almost like letters to God, um, particularly on days that followed really difficult days of anxiety so that the day after I would feel really down about the fact that I'd struggled to do something or I had failed in some way and uh so I would I would spend some time the next day kind of writing those things down and um those became songs a lot of the time and um that that was kind of on our first EP that we put out which was called Buried at Sea which is not online anymore actually because we took it down because we were because of the record deal and technical things, we wanted to reproduce some of those songs and mm -hmm. it's just a technical thing. And I'm sorry to people who, cause we get a lot of messages <laughs> asking for, <laughs> for stuff, which is, I know we'll, we'll get there one day, but, um, but that, that EP was very, um, it was a, it was a theme themed EP. It was all about anxiety, you know? Yeah. And so that was our springboard into Christian music was from, you know, from a writing point of view was saying, I'm really struggling with this thing. Um, and I'm just going to be brutally honest about it through songwriting and see what people <laughs> see if it's helpful. Or, or, and ultimately, I don't think we started our band saying we're going to do this for us or I'm going to do this because I need to do it. If anybody else likes it, then that's 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 cool. And that's just a bonus. But it was it wasn't like we had any inspiration to become anything, really. Um, well, I think so, yeah. don't, don't you think a lot of times, though, the real the real good stuff is what's coming out of the passion of your heart. I mean, I can sit here and write a song about a trip I took through the mountains or whatever, and you know, mm -hmm. it's beautiful and whatever, but I think a lot of songwriting that comes from the angst, from the lament, that's real deep emotion, and those emotions come through in the music that you write. Yeah, I believe that. I do believe that for sure. Um, it's one of those things that makes me wonder about heaven sometimes. <laughs> mm. It's made me wonder, like... Um, you know, God uses pain so yeah. directly and so much beauty comes out of so much heartache. It's not even just a exclusively Christian phenomenon. If if you look right. at like Adele's albums, for example, um, Adele writes albums about heartbreak and like they, they're so successful. And it's like stuff that is painful 
can produce such beautiful and yeah. poignant art. And I've always yeah. wondered, like, how's that going to work in heaven? Because so much of what we create that's beautiful comes out of bad stuff. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting um, thought. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That didn't really. It was just a side thought. And so I think like one principle that we try and stick to is is honesty. Mm-hmm. I think for that reason, like, so I try to as a writer. I don't like, like I said, I don't like saying things if I don't feel like I have anything to say. So for me, that means being honest. And if, yeah. if I'm going to write a song, uh, I can't fake, I don't want to fake it. Nothing right. can be fake. Yeah. So you started writing these, these, a different kind of song mm. and you guys have been busy. You travel a lot. You sing a lot. You've put out what, four EPs or three, three or four EPs. Mm-hmm. That means like somebody that. was, was resonating with what you were doing what was that journey like as you bearing your soul, bearing your heart to God, so to speak, and putting it to music and then people hearing about it? Talk about yeah. that transition. Of- yeah, it was new because like I had done music in, right. sec- in the secular world and like hadn't had much traction um, in, in that sense or like a kind of a big a listener base that kept coming back. And so it was it was new to have that. And um, by no means are we a huge band, but like we do have, yeah, we've we've built something where people are going, okay, I like this, and they're coming back, and <laughs> and it keeps growing, and so there's something going on there. I I think that um, we're in an interesting situation in the UK, and in that the industry feels very young still. The Christian music industry is is open um, to to new artists in the sense that it's. It is not overcrowded here. It's if if mm. anything, it's it's very fledgling, and it feels like, it, which in some ways is is good because it presents opportunities for you to break into that. But it's also difficult in other ways, in the sense right. that there's not really a um, there's not really a strategy for becoming successful in a as a Christian band who aren't a worship band mm-hmm. here. Yeah. There's yeah. just not really a model for that. There's models. There's labels that are knocking around that will sign um, worship leaders and things, right. but there's but we spoke to some labels here who they were interested in what we were doing, but they they said to us, we don't know what to do with you because yeah. we, we're trying to do something that's a bit different. We're running our band like a secular band, but we're just writing about Jesus yeah. and about the gospel. And so there wasn't really a, a kind of a structure for that here. And I know there is more so in the States. Sure. And a lot of our inspiration came from bands like King's Kaleidoscope and mm-hmm. what citizens have been doing and stuff. Um, and so we saw them as very much like trailblazers in as to what we wanted to do here in the UK. Um, yeah. And so I think we, you know, part of the reason that we were able to get a little bit of traction is because we, there's not a lot of competition <laughs> <laughs> here in the UK, yeah. um, which is not something I like, you know, and our big vision, our big vision is to be a part of a movement that cultivates more Christian music in the UK. Like yeah. we, we, we had always spoken about early, like it'd be great if one day we could start a record label. Yeah. you know and and look for these talented because there are they're they're there these people are around but right. it's it's just it's underfunded and it's difficult to get anywhere um so that needs to change really and definitely we look we've looked to the states a lot i mean we signed to an american label um to sort of see how that's working yeah you know over there so it's been yeah it's been an interesting journey but to answer your question a little bit more directly it's been very humbling and um it's been it's been very edifying and encouraging to see god using your kind of measly attempts to do something you know yeah um it's been really exciting to see that and we're grateful well you know it's interesting hearing you talk about trying to start a movement 
I, mm. A lot of people, if you, if I ask people, so especially older artists, I talk about, you know, what was your inspiration? Well, when the Beatles came over from England, well, now you right. guys are trying to rebuild this thing in England. Yeah. Um, you know, talking yeah. about some of these other bands. Yeah. You, you said it's, there's not really an industry. There's not really that kind of business side of things. What do you see as the, the exciting growing things in England and UK around Christian music. Yeah, I mean, there are certain artists who have in recent years demonstrated what is possible. And so I think what they've demonstrated is that if you do something well and mm. commit to it, that there is a market there for it and that people do want it. Yeah. Um, but I think part of what we're having to do as artists in the UK is open people's eyes to even accepting like a first listen of a christian band because i i do think that even that i don't know quite what it's like for you guys in the states but like there is massive preconceptions here that christian music is not worth listening to yeah um and so you know there's there's work to do there to be like actually and and there's been some amazing so to answer the question about what's exciting there's been some amazing work by people like steve and bradley who runs um this youtube channel called amen worldwide it used to be called um the good christian music okay. blog mm -hmm. um and that's kind of where we got our start because okay. he has um a lot of followers and he kind of picked up on us and we signed a publishing deal with him first and um he is doing this amazing job of putting all these young christian artists who don't have a following on his platform and promoting them to this big audience who is in the uk but also worldwide sure. and saying look these guys they're doing something that's focused on the gospel focused on jesus and it's musically excellent and you should listen to it give it yeah. a chance like there's there's stuff here that's got value um and so i think the growth of that channel is um evidence that there is hunger for that yeah um but it's just it just like I said earlier, it just feels like it feels like early days, and I think the church here is still getting its head around Christians making music that isn't worship, but that is about Jesus. And like, what do we do with it? It yeah. feels like they think like, what do I do with this thing? Like, yeah. Certainly, that's been our experience. So, but yeah, reason to be hopeful about it. I think I find it interesting that cyclically. I mean, because back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was definitely this movement. I mean, you had bands like Nutshell. I already mentioned Dave Pope. A lot of these people who were kind of taking the hippie music of the day. Here in the States, it was the Jesus music movement. But you guys had okay. a similar movement in the UK. And then it's kind of grown to this, kind of like here, everything's worship. And to yeah. have the, in the States, people like Switchfoot or people like uh, some of these bands who are doing music that is not christian per se it's written yeah. from a christian perspective mm. uh, it's interesting to see that that is kind of this cycle that we go on that okay now the church doesn't know what to do it unless it's worship music yeah yeah there's this artist here called um governor b and he's like a grime artist okay. and um he has this lyric in one of his songs too grimy for the church but too churchy for the grime scene uh. and like I get that. Like, and I feel like we resonated with that a little bit. Like you might, for us, it might be like too eighties pop for the church, but too churchy <laughs> for the eighties pop scene. And, um, so, you know, and I don't know, it, we are explicitly Christian in our lyrics, but, right. but I can see that there is value in subtlety as well. And like, I, I, you know, I, I think I used to be quite, um, quite strong on like this, 
songs that come out of these bands need to be like very explicit. They need to say the name Jesus. They need mm. to do these things. Yeah. And I, I believe that to a certain extent, but I also see now like that there's also value and beauty. I mean, like part, part of why music is beautiful is because it is a reflection of God's creativity yes. with or without lyrics at all. And, and the act of creating something is already, uh, you know, apologetically, um, <laughs> you could argue, <laughs> yeah. an argument for God's existence. And yeah. so I think there is value in creating beauty and there's aesthetic value that clearly I think there's, you can make strong arguments from. And so I'm, I'm interested in like when bands like King's Kaleidoscope write songs that you think actually that is beautiful and very excellently produced and it isn't explicitly like a worship song, but it also talks honestly in real, uh, in a real way about some issue to do with life and the gospel. Right. And there's a lot of value in that. Um, it's not worship music it's something different, but I think it's yeah. still valuable. Uh, they both have their place, don't they? Um, well, well, I mean, it's just like, you know, you can't go to the natives in Africa and, and just preach the gospel without talking on their language. Right. Yeah. And music yeah. is a language for us, whether it's a style, yeah. whether it's a content, whether it's a location, it's all a, a, an avenue of communication. And so who are you yeah. trying to communicate with? Mm -hmm. And then how do you reach them? And a worship song is not going to reach somebody who only goes to the bar. And I think, yeah. So one of the interesting things is that we've seen a, a couple of times at shows of ours, non-Christians showing up who we know are not Christians because they've been brought by their Christian friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they, and they've been singing our songs uh -huh. as we play them. And you sort of think that's wild. Like yeah. this person who doesn't know Jesus yet is like singing a song that's <laughs> got gospel content in. Yeah. Like that's cool. That's pretty cool. Like, yeah. God can do stuff there, you know? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's interesting space. The scripture, the word that God's word will not return to me void. I think that, mm totally comes into music. And music, I mean, I I've told people this on the podcast before, but I can remember the phone number for a hotel chain over here because it was tied to a, a bit of music, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so having these these bits of truth that people are yeah. singing and that are ingrained yeah. in their heart, and then in the middle of a, of a time like maybe that you went through of depression or whatever, yeah. and have that thought, that song come back, and that might be the seed that starts starts a journey that's that is the that is the prayer isn't it yeah well yeah. as you look back as as the last five or so years as you've kind of been developing this do you have a, a kind of this oh this is where it worked like we hoped it would you know someplace i sometimes call it a pinch me moment but that whole thing of mm. oh we our desire was that this would be music that would help change people's lives and here's the situation that it did yeah yes um one of the songs that has been most powerful um, or that we've seen be powerful is a song called Firm Foundation, which again is not actually streamable at the moment because it was off that Buried at Sea EP, mm. but it was, it was the song on Buried at Sea that was kind of like a piano ballad and it was very much, um, it was the most pain-filled song on the EP. Mm. It was very honest and it spoke explicitly about struggling with anxiety when i'm overcome when i'm filled with fear when i'm buried deep in anxious thought and no way out is clear 
when I'm overwhelmed, stumbling in the dark. When I feel alone and worry churns me up, tears me apart. I need you. I need you. And I'll call for you as a son to his father. I'll think on you, the rock on which I stand And I'll run to you, my shelter My only firm foundation and the one who loves me And like we went and kind of played a lot of shows around the country on university campuses, college campuses. Um, and like the reaction that we would get from people who would <laughs> come up to us after the show and speak so openly about their struggles with anxiety. It shocked me at first because I sort of thought, I'm not equipped to deal with this. Like I'm not, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a therapist and I'm not... But the act of being honest in that way, um, it unlocked something in people that was quite remarkable to see. And not only in person, but online. So we'd receive messages every week from people who would be talking about that song or asking us questions about anxiety and stuff. And I sort of thought, whoa, like, <laughs> yeah. this is powerful stuff. And there's a sense of responsibility here to kind of, I don't know care for your brothers and sisters in Christ and um, but yeah so just I've seen the power of what it means to people to be honest you know and to open up a space where people feel like they can just say yeah me too mm. um, and so yeah that's always been for us a song that's represented the power of what God can do I think whenever we play it at a show because it's quiet and the piano is playing and I'm singing you hear you can hear the people singing with you and it becomes one of those moments that's like we all struggle with this. Like yeah. so many people struggle with this and it's, it's, it's powerful. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool moment. Well, Josh, you touched on an interesting thought that I hadn't thought about before. And that is, you know, if I'm a plumber or a tradesperson of some sort that comes into the house, yeah, yeah, I have, I have the burden of making sure that I don't make the leak worse, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But if, <laughs> yeah. as you're writing songs about hope and faith, the the burden, like you said, of I've got to say this right because this is a potentially impacting somebody for eternity. Mm. Whereas somebody fixes my toilet, it fixes it for now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah. what is that like to have the realization that the words that I'm saying might positively or negatively impact somebody in a much bigger way than if the toilet flushes? <laughs> <laughs> um, to some extent or depending on your theology of sovereignty, <laughs> you leave that with God because I cannot carry the burden of that. Right. I, I can't. And I don't think any human being is called to carry that burden. Um, what I'm called to do is do the best job I can, be honest, be authentic, be as truth-filled as I know mm -hmm. how to be. Yeah. Um, and trust God with the rest because I, you know, I can't, I can't carry that weight, I don't think. And um, 
so yeah i mean you know practically speaking there might be things you do like um collaborate on songwriting or run your lyrics by people that you trust before you put a song out and things like that but yeah i think for the most part the answer to that for me is i don't i i don't worry about it mm-hmm. and i i think that is because i believe that god will have his way with it yeah. um that's that that's his that's his work not mine you know <laughs> yeah well i remember when my pastor first mentioned to me that you know it's not my job to have to make people christians yeah that's yeah. the holy spirit's work yeah and my job is to plant seeds and be available to answer questions and to walk yeah. alongside and that's exactly what you're talking about our role yeah. as christians is to say this is the difference that this belief in this man means to me Exactly. And let the Holy Spirit say, well, maybe you could use that as, in your life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's, it's one of those things where you sometimes bands will see themselves as like explicitly evangelistic, like their mission mm-hmm. is an evangelistic mission. Some Christian bands, I'm sure, see themselves like that. And other Christian bands probably see themselves or artists see themselves as I'm documenting my experience. Right. And if it and if it chimes with people and if they find value in it, then that's great. And again, I think both of those are okay as, a, as an approach. Yep. Um, I think probably we are halfway in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I would only say that because I, because I only write songs, I think, that I naturally feel. I don't necessarily try to um, construct a song that is going to be particularly evangelistic or contain mm-hmm. a particular message that's not how we write songs we write songs that are led by what god's speaking to me about at that time or how i'm feeling yeah. and so that process is a little bit more like documenting your experience of life and the gospel and the and the struggles and the pains and the joys and then god can use that whatever way he wants um as opposed to trying to be like yep this is a song about this thing yeah there you go you know yeah. so yeah but it's interesting. <laughs> I call that heart art, right? It's yeah, art coming yeah. from the heart. And, mm-hmm. you know, we look at, this, at the Psalms as an example. So many of those, the psalmist, whether it be David or whoever, is writing out of this huge place of misery and angst and lament. And that's not fun to talk about. That's not what you write on the back of your postcard that you send on vacation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but those are the things that touch us because it's built out yeah. of, oh my gosh, this is the hurt that I'm going through. And, and, this has yeah. been made very rare to me the last probably two, three months. Hmm. In almost every situation in the Psalms, those mm-hmm. prayers don't get answered by the problem being taken away. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. changes is the writer's heart. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I think that heart art is us working through, this is how I change my attitude. And as you were yeah. talking, yeah. I was thinking about the scripture, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. And you talked about in our pre-interview a little bit about you're really interested in apologetics, which means that's studying what does the Bible mean? What is, how do I infuse that into my life? Mm. You're, you're building the heart so that the art that comes out is beautiful in a way that glorifies God, whatever mm-hmm. the topic is. Yeah, no, that's really, that's really helpful. And I think that um, what one of the benefits and joys is of being in this kind of space that we're in is that... Um, you're not tied to trying to make a song stand alone and have an arc. Mm. Um, by which I mean, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the songs we'd sing um, on a Sunday in worship or in what, you know, would be a song that kind of has an arc to do with 
maybe it has a lament and then maybe the chorus has a a joy about mm-hmm. um grace or something and and so you're kind of lamenting sin and then you're but then you're coming back out of that and there's an arc to it and we kind of need that because we don't necessarily want to sing a song that's just all about how tough something is and then sit right. down yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but what 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 one of the cool things about being able to work in this space is is that like you don't need to do that so some songs are just difficult yeah that's okay yeah. you know because no one's going to stand up and sing that as a congregation on a sunday that's not what it's for <laughs> right. it's more like a psalm yes it's more like a psalm that just says this is just so hard right now yeah. god where are you yeah. where are you in this moment like um and then you just leave it <laughs> Right. You just leave that out there because that's what God wants you to do. God wants you to t- speak to him. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't always need to have this like sermon arc to it where it has a bit of <laughs> a bit of grace in the chorus and a bit of evangelism at the end. Like that's it doesn't need to do that if it's not expressly for that purpose. So I think that's a really cool thing about about being in this space is it, you get that creative freedom to just be like, this is what I want to say now. This is what how I'm feeling and. This is what I want to say to God. And it's okay. You could just leave that out there. Um, yeah. Like the Psalms. Yeah, it's a good example. Well, you got noticed by an American label, like you said, and you got signed, released. Uh, I have the album Closer, which was released October, November of 21. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that album. Kind of what is your hope of the album? And is there a specific song on there? I know you're never supposed to ask an artist, what's your favorite song? Because that's like, <laughs> which is your favorite kid, right? Well, if you have yeah. one, that's an easy question. But yeah. uh, is there a song on Closer that kind of encapsulates the the mm-hmm. intent and the desire that you guys have behind this album? Yeah, um, I think that it's not a concept album in the sense that it's about one thing, but having reflected on it, writing it, and then afterwards, I, th- I do think that predominantly the album is about intimacy. I think it's about intimacy with God, Um if there is a song that summarizes it, it is the title track closer which is essentially about recognizing the distraction of the world because i think that for me i really like i really like love being alive <laughs> and mm-hmm. like i really like uh, i have strong emotions like i love i love if i love something i really love it and if i hate something i really hate it and i'm really passionate about stuff and i think the world is beautiful and amazing and I'm so excited to be here (laughs) but I think I get captured by it too way too easy and um so like the song has lines like I get distracted by wealth and um I guess the chorus the whole point of the chorus is to say that the best that the world can offer is paradise but there's no water there so like it looks beautiful but it will kill you. you. It can't sustain you, and you will die if you go there. If you if you stay there, like that's the heart of that song. Like, this world is amazing, but it's also deadly um, because it's so beautiful and because it's so exciting and enthralling and tempting. Round and around and around, silence is deafening sound. Mind is ensnared cause I care about things that don't care about me You see the end from the start Jesus bring peace to my heart Child of the King to your grace I will cling for my part The best that the world could 
So um, what the song is about is saying, I want to feel you, God, more than I feel that. I want to feel you closer to me than I feel the world close to me. And so I think that's what the album is about. It's about wrestling with being torn between this life and the next, recognizing that as a struggle, I think. Um, so yeah, I would say closer is a kind of summary of that particular wrestle. <laughs> you have a brand new, well, nine month old baby. <laughs> yeah. How does how does being a dad and how does being part of that relationship with your child affect what you're doing as a band, affect what you're doing writing songs? Yeah. It affects it for sure. <laughs> it's funny because we um we had three new babies in the band just over the kind of lockdown period in the UK. Wow. Um, and so a lot quite a lot changed for us. Um, 
I guess for me, it's just been, you know, actually in God's providence, like we we were finishing off the album as my son Clay was was about to arrive. So it, there hasn't yet been that like massive crossover of there's a lot of pressure to do something mm. um, with him here. That hasn't yeah. quite happened yet. But um, certainly it's, it, I, I guess the biggest thing is it opens your mind up to a new relationship and a new level of love and responsibility and I don't know, constant concern and joy <laughs> and overtiredness and it's just extreme, extreme emotions. And it's amazing. It is amazing, but it's also knackering, <laughs> which is an English <laughs> phrase for uh, being really tired. Yeah. 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 I was, as you were talking earlier about writing out of the heart and yeah. I, I was thinking, well, you know, I only have so much in my heart that I can write about. Where would I continue to get content? Well, yeah. now you've got a son that's going to add <laughs> to that. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. And I have an endless well of uh, issues in my mind, David, that I can speak about. <laughs> don't, don't you worry about that. There's no there's no shortage of problems. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been really cool. I'll, I'm interested to see how it develops and how you know little things have to change like i can't be noisy in my little home studio at gone 6 30 now because i don't <laughs> want to wake him up and right. but you know we have a studio space so it's just adjusting the way we work a little bit and and stuff and you know again being in the christian music industry for us in the uk means that you're not tied to touring a lot i think mm. us as a band we've relied more on streaming and um online kind of um yeah sales and things like that to sustain our band and also as a measure of our growth then we have kind of getting out on the road and playing a lot of shows we've been quite strategic through the years about what shows we're playing and where they are in the country because we we, we know we can't go out and play 20 shows in a month mm. so yeah. we're choosing to go up here and then go over there and we're choosing uni uh, college campuses because we know that those people will then go back to their hometowns and they'll know who line of judah is and stuff so we're being right. quite strategic and we always have about what we're doing um uh, and that's necessary just because we've all got kids and families and so is yeah. there a hope or a plan to come across the pond and share your music with us over here I would love to. I mean, it is. It would be a dream for us, honestly. It would be a dream for us to come and play, um, do a little tour in the states. Would be amazing. I think certainly we are looking at that, and um, it just will be a case of timing. I think sure. and figuring, you know, figuring out when that's going to work, who we could play with. I think what we would like to do is support someone out there. Oh sure. Um, yeah, and and maybe do some dates supporting a, another band. Um, so yeah, it, it would be amazing. It's definitely something that we we're looking to do. Yeah. Well, I would love to see you guys paired up with somebody like uh, like Darren Mulligan of We Are Messengers, or yeah. you know, even if if you could pair up with like an Ellie Linebear, that would be fun to have mm -hmm. an, an Ellie yeah. Linebear Lion of Judah tour. You know, things like yeah. that. Yeah. That would be fun. So oh, that would be really fun. Yeah. No, we're definitely gonna. Yeah, we'll do everything we can to make that happen. There you go. And put me on the first <laughs> yeah. ticket sale list. Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you a free ticket. No worries. Oh, well. That... <laughs> so what you've got this album that you're probably supporting closer right now. What's kind yeah. of the future look like? You talked briefly about maybe looking at a label to help encourage other uh, Christian musicians who are who are doing heart art, mm, uh, to mm, use that yeah. phrase. What yeah. what's kind of what's kind of the big plan for you guys and maybe next year and then even five, ten years from now? What's what are you <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah, so I guess this year we are trying to get our heads back into playing shows. So it's been, you know, as for everybody around the world, it's been a couple of years with with nothing live. Mm-hmm. And so last show we played, actually we played a show a week ago or something. But before that, it was something like a year and a half since we'd played. And, and that was in, we played a show in Lisbon in Portugal, came back home and then that was it for a oh. year and a half or nearly two years or something. Wow. So we uh we we need to get those reps back up just so that <laughs> so we played uh we played last week and then we we booked another show that then actually had to get cancelled because so many people at the place that we were playing got covid oh. <laughs> so we had to like sh- <laughs> shut that show down so it's still slowly uh, emerging here in the uk like things are opening up yeah. to the point where people can make shows and stuff so we'll rearrange that date and then we want to get a few more dates in and then we have a big festival in the summer here where we're booked to play main stage for the first year so there's a big festival here called big church day out which would get a lot of american us artists artists come over and play at um it's um i think they get like 25 26 000 or something at this festival it's it's the main one for the year um, is this so your first playing... main stage uh so our first main stage okay, yeah yeah cool. so we've done it for several years on their kind of second stage mm-hmm. and on other stages so yeah this year's the big one for us so we get ultimately i think in our minds we're kind of playing all these shows to prepare for that because we, we <laughs> get need the to calluses be in, in, back on the fingers and then top, yeah. vocal chops worked up again <laughs> absolutely yeah and like the performance like the first what i felt when i was on stage at um at our show the other week was just like it wasn't necessarily the playing that i found jarring it was the um speaking to the crowd and that kind mm-hmm. of like that interaction again that you've just been so without for the last 12 18 months and so that for me was quite a big thing i thought i said to the guys afterwards like i felt too quiet there you know i need to <laughs> we need to ramp that up a bit but that's all just i get i guess that's to be expected um yeah. and so yeah so yeah the, the rest of this year looks like that like get shows under our belts mm-hmm. um and then continue to write so we you know we have more music on the way we're starting to write for the next i think next will be an ep for us i think our pattern will probably be album ep album ep um because we like eps um they're not quite as much of a commitment to mm-hmm. produce yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so it's nice to get something out a little quicker um in between the bigger projects so yeah i think i think that and then yeah like you said the label thing i mean that was like a that's like a pipe dream at the moment and certainly you're thinking more five ten years like what could we do when we're older in the music industry and we're more established and yeah. if we have any amount of um resource or anything then what could we do with it to cultivate an environment where young artists have have an idea of what it looks like to become professional yeah um but that's a way off because we are not we're not ready yet you know we need to do our thing we need to do our thing first um so yeah that's what it looks like short term and long term i think Well, every Saturday I send out a newsletter to a whole bunch of folks who are praying for musicians. Mm, that's amazing. What is it that we could be praying for you guys specifically, for Lion of Judah, or even for you personally, in the weeks mm. and the months that are in front of us? Yeah, no, that would be really amazing. Um, yeah, I think probably for our next writing project. So I think that um, as we look at writing the next EP, it's always a process for me where I have to... Um, sink myself into reading a bit and just being open to listening to God and being guided by him and what he wants to say through me in that next run of music. And so um, 
yeah, prayer for that, prayer that I would be sitting, kneeling before God in a right way and listening. Um, and yeah, that he would give me what it is he would have us have us say in this next project. Um, it's, the, it's that intimacy thing again. You know, I, we want that intimacy with God so that we feel connected and reliant on him in the production process and not kind of reliant on ourselves to work something out. So yeah, prayer for that. Prayer to lean on God and prayer for God to speak. Thanks for sharing, Josh. When I edit each week's podcast, I look for a theme or a catchphrase to serve as the synopsis of each episode. The phrase that stuck out to me this week was when Josh said, what I'm called to do is do the best job I can. Be honest, be authentic, be as truth-filled as I know how to be, and then trust God with the rest. As we go through life, we are no doubt going to disappoint people. We will make people mad. I know I've experienced that, in fact, just this week. (laughs) But Josh's comments have reminded me that if I seek to follow truth in my life, And if I seek to demonstrate God's love the best I can, God can use me and will use me to make a positive difference for eternity. Josh talked about the songs he wrote out of a deep time of emotional recovery. And while those songs were very intimate and personal cries to God, they have resonated with listeners and pointed other folks to the ultimate love and truth of Jesus. In Matthew 10:22, Jesus says that we will be hated by everyone because of him, but everyone who perseveres to the end will be saved. Jesus also said in John 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. Somehow, I don't think Matthew or John were thinking about social media when they documented those words, but I'm sure that they had experienced their own versions of hate and insults being thrown at them because they were following God. Jesus was just saying that as his followers, we will be hated for obeying the truth. But don't be discouraged because Jesus has overcome the world. So what is my takeaway today? I think Ephesians 4.15 sums it up best. It says, speak truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body. Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Lord, help us to speak your truth in love. Help me to listen to others in love. And please use our lives and shine through them so that you can make a positive impact in our society. This week, I featured Lion of Judah's song, Closer, which is the title track from their newest album, and Firm Foundation from their EP, Buried at Sea. I'd like to thank Josh Bannister and Lion of Judah for the permission to share these songs with you, and I'd encourage you to go stream those songs wherever you listen to your music. As always, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you be willing to rate us on your favorite podcast app? A five-star rating or a review really helps spread the word about this show. Next week, I'm talking with David Baroni about our identity in Christ, and you definitely don't want to miss this conversation. So be sure and join me next week when I share stories of the people you find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. And as always, to close things out, I want to remind you, 
God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. It's time for another Mischievous Mauer's Miscellaneous Misquotes. I've been hiding from exercise. I'm in the fitness protection program. <laughs>